Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Baseball Buds. I am your host, Richie. Joining me as always is Matt. Today is April 20th. We are recording around 8.30 Central Time, so uh, some games going on right now. And I got to start right now, Matt. You are watching Miguel Cabrera possibly get his 3,000 hit. How's it looking? Yeah, he just struck out with a 97-mile-an-hour fastball up in the zone. Uh, he was a little impatient this at-bat. He was swinging right out of the gate. I think, you know, as you get to that final that final hit, you know, you're going up there with every single every single swing trying to make history. Um, but even more impressively, I think, than Miggy's, you know, 3,000 hit potential tonight, Otani is just an absolute freak. Um, I think we're going to have to have a conversation about this right off the bat. You roster him, and we are now in a predicament with your dynasty team where you may have to put him into the starting rotation, which after tonight doesn't look so bad, huh? No, no, it doesn't. Uh, I think he was dealing a perfect game through five innings. I believe I uh, had uh, about eight or nine strikeouts. Don't know if that's still accurate as of us recording right now, but he is looking good a lot better than his last start. Uh, as far as the waivers go, I did pick up Camilo Duvall. He was sitting out there on our waiver wire. I don't know if he's necessarily the closer for the San Francisco Giants or yeah, San Francisco Giants at this time. But we'll see. I'll have to make that decision uh, starting next week as we do play in a weekly lineup. So I have some options. The reason why we're talking about this, as we'll get into, is I have a lot of players who have recently hit the I.L. for me, so I am lacking as far as depth goes. So having said that, let's just get right into the news and notes. Um, we'll go over that with you guys. We'll go over who's hot this year. Uh, right out of the gates, and then we'll go over some minor league players and what they're doing in the most notable performances. So let's jump right into it. Andrew Heaney landed on the IL today with shoulder soreness. Dave Roberts said it doesn't look to be too serious, but he's going to miss the next turn or two in the rotation. Jose Altuve was placed on the IL with a left hamstring strain. That doesn't seem good, especially knowing his history. Ronald Acuna started his rehab assignment this week with AAA. His first outing, he went 1-for-3 with a double, and then today he went 0-for-3, but he did have a walk, a stolen base, and a run. The expected timeline is initially, I believe, the first week of May, May 6th, I believe they're saying. But, I mean, what's the point of keeping him in AAA? You might as well just bring him up. Once he shakes off the rust, I see. I wouldn't be surprised if he's up back in the majors by next week. Matt Manning landed on the aisle with shoulder inflammation. Jonathan India on the aisle with a right strained hamstring. That hurts for me as I have him in my dynasty, our dynasty league. And I'm currently slotting Brendan Rodgers in at my second base, who has been awful to start the season. Byron Buxton is still out of the lineup. He had a swollen knee. I don't know if we talked about this last podcast, but he slid into second base and heard a pop and immediately went to the ground slapped uh, his hand on the ground as if he was out with a serious injury. I initially thought it was a torn ACL or meniscus, but luckily there was no structural damage under the MRI, so that is good. But it is worrisome, and it just reminds you that Byron Buxton is fragile regardless of how much potential he has. Alex Cobb is on the aisle with a grade 1 growing strain. Once again, another player who can't seem to stay healthy. This next one is a big one for you, man. I kind of want to hear what you have to say on this, but Husker Yanoa has been optioned to AAA after an awful outing. The Braves were deploying a six-man rotation. They are now going to go back to a five-man rotation with Bryce Elder as the fifth starter. However, 
Spencer Strider has been going three or more innings in his first three outings, so he might have a possibility of getting a starter's role. Nolan Gorman is on fire in AAA. He has seven home runs to start the year, and yeah, those are the big highlights that we have for you guys this week. So I threw a lot at you, Matt. What are the big highlights you want to start off with? Yeah, I'm going to interject a little bit here right before we get into this. Um, Miles Michaelis went five strong innings tonight against Miami. Uh, that's a good start for him. We did see him as a star a few seasons ago before the injury bug set on. Brandon Marsh for the Angels was two to two, two for two today as well as he starts to develop. So just a couple things as baseball continues throughout the night, we'll kind of keep you updated on as well. But I think those are two names to watch. Michaelis was picked up in our dynasty league actually this week. I think a lot of people forgot about him. He was very, very, very serviceable just a few years ago. Our good friend Jackson got him. I think that could be a really sneaky pickup as we start to see some of these injuries affecting our starting rotations. You and I kind of talked about this week with all the injuries you incurred, right? I mean, Alex Cobb, Byron Bucks, and Jonathan India, just a few names that you roster alone and you had mentioned on this list. Guys like Miles Michaelis are really big grabs. So if he's still out there on your waiver wire, a nice start against Miami. Again, Miami's not the strongest of teams, but at least they're starting to seek some consistency. I think the Andrew Heaney injury is interesting, right? He has added that sweeping slider slash curveball. Um, you know, maybe that had a little bit of fatigue put on the arm because he hasn't thrown it throughout his career. Ronald Acuna, stealing a bag is just huge for me. That was the big question we were going to have in categories leaks. Was Acuna still going to be a guy that steals bases after the ACL? I think if he's stealing in the minor leagues, he's testing himself out, seeing where he's at. I like the signs of that. Matt, matting on the uh, the IL for the shoulder inflammation. I think what we're starting to see here is Detroit's possibly one year away. We're going to need these guys to get healthy. Him, Casey Myers, who's also on the IL, get them back, get them ready for next season. Obviously, the Buxton injury is devastating. Uh, we love Byron Buxton. You never root for a guy of that superstar caliber to go down, much like Acuna. I think he did avoid a serious career-altering injury there. Um, and ultimately, you get to roster him a little bit longer you know, without having to put him on the IL. But it is kind of a bummer for fantasy managers that he wasn't IL'd at least for 10 days because now you're here in limbo without the ability to pick a guy off the waiver wire. And finally, kind of to wrap this up with Nolan Gorman and Spencer Strider, I think Gorman's performing amazingly. But again, the true test, much like uh, Witt and Rodriguez have faced in the major league, is I want to see him against that elite-level major league talent. And there's really not an opportunity for him to play yet unless the Cardinals move Tommy Edmond to a super utility role. We'll get to Edmond in a little bit here. Uh, but for Spencer Strider, I love the production we're seeing so far. His strikeout ability is through the roof. I'm kind of starting to feel like the Braves are going to utilize him like the Brewers did with Josh Hader in his rookie season, where he's really that fireman in the back of the rotate or a bullpen where he can come in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh inning, pitch two, three innings, and be that stable rock. But Elder at the back end of that rotation is not a guy I have a lot of confidence in. So I could see Strider kind of filling into that fifth role by the middle of the, or end of the season. But I love him in that bullpen role. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing that concerns me with Spencer Strider is his walk rate. Makes me wonder if he can go deep enough to go that five, six innings to get you that quality start. But just pulling up uh, StatCast numbers, I did not realize this. His fastball velocity, his average four-seam fastball velocity is number two in the league behind only Hunter Green. Hunter Green averages 100 miles per hour on the dot. Coming in next is Spencer Strider at 98.4 miles an hour. And then Garrett Cole at 97.8. 
So that is uh, news to me. I didn't. I knew he had a filthy fastball and a filthy slider, and not much more. But I did not realize how fast he throws it. So that is something to note. And he has high potential. I believe he had the highest strikeout rate in the minors last year. And as we're recording this, and you actually told me before the podcast started, but we didn't put in our notes. George Springer was hit on the hand with a pitch. So Matt, what are your initial thoughts on that? Well, you know, I have a very hot take on Mr. Mike Trout, which I have vocalized pretty strongly on the TikTok accounts. Um, He has been out for three games now, right? I I just watched the MLB beginning and uh, Springer got hit in the hand. And I joked with you that he was going to be, you know, out for the rest of the season because much like Trout, Springer is very injury prone, but he did make his way down to first base. Uh, The trainer did have to come back out to first base after originally checking him out. I just think overall... There are things within the baseball equipment game that you can now wear to prevent you from having serious injury. I just don't understand why these guys aren't padded up. You know, a bunch of a bunch of the major leaguers after they break that hand, they have the pad on, and it's like utilize that. If you're a top player, you cannot afford to be taken out of these games. So, we'll kind of monitor the Springer situation, but much like Trout, I expect Springer to be on the aisle at some point this season. And it's a shame because they're in incredible talents when playing and for a fantasy perspective i think they're probably both top five when they're in the lineup healthy but springer and trout man they just they don't stay healthy anymore and it's a shame yeah that is a bummer especially with those superstars you like to see them on the field all right let's move on to who's hot so it pains me to say this because i've been wrong on a lot of hot takes that i've had in the preseason but we'll start out with your boy Seiya suzuki let's go Through 11 games and 29 at-bats, he has 12 hits, two doubles, four home runs with 11 RBIs. But the thing that uh, caught me by surprise is he has 12 walks to nine strikeouts. So in the beginning of our podcasting for this year, I was concerned with his kind of uppercut swing, kind of swing for the fences approach. I thought that pitchers might be able to dissect that, find holes in his swing and his plate discipline would not be as great he has proven me wrong through the first few weeks of this season so I'm hoping he can keep it up I was a skeptic I will uh, defer to you Matt on that Um, what are your initial thoughts on Suzuki you think he can sustain this is he the real deal or do you think he's going to cool off and this is a sell high opportunity so we disagree on Suzuki Um, last night you had mentioned to me and I think this was more or less to pull out an emotional reaction but you said to me that he was Joey Gallo. And I was not very happy with that and explained to you how I felt you were wrong. I think Suzuki right now is operating at his ceiling. Now, I don't think that means if he were to fall off a little bit or if pitchers learned how to pitch him better, that he's going to drop all the way to a floor of possibly Joey Gallo, for instance, here. I think because he has this play discipline, he's going to avoid the long period or the long stretches of prolonged slumps. You know, I mean, the guy in general, I'll check his box score every day if I'm not watching the game. He went 0 for 1 two days ago with three walks, and he had actually broken up his hit streak of nine games, which is a Cubs franchise record for a rookie coming into a season. And I I think that just kind of goes to show you when he is slumping or when he's not seeing the ball perfectly where he can barrel up, he's going to still walk. 
you actually pull up his stat cast numbers, he has, I think, the highest rated barrel percentage. His exit velo is up there as well. Um, it, I, I would just implore you to go out and kind of look at the underlying numbers because Suzuki's doing everything properly and he's reaping the rewards of that patience. So if you've got him, I would say personally hold on to him. Um, if, if people are shopping him, it's really hard. Me and you had this discussion. What is fair value for him right now? I don't think I know what fair value is. Um, I think dynasty leagues are harder too because the kid's only 27. He's in his prime. But personally, I think you hold on to Suzuki right now. All right. I want to do a quick exercise with you since we're talking about shopping him and possibly selling him. So I'm just going to skip the top 10 outfielders because I think those are no-brainers. Okay. I'm going off the rankings we have in our old podcast, so I don't know if they're yours or mine. But at number 11 in one of our rankings is Eloy Jimenez. Would you swap Suzuki for Eloy? Oh, that's a very good one, actually. Um, I think I would because I do believe in Jimenez's overall power production. And I think the average will be around 270. So, yes, I would. All right. At number 12, we have Teoscar Hernandez. Now, I know he's on the aisle, but assuming he's healthy. No. Cedric Mullins no. is number 13. Byron Buxton, number 14. Uh, only because of the injury concerns. Because if you take the injury concerns out, it's an absolute no-brainer. But uh, because of the injuries, I'm going to have to say no. And these must be my rankings because I know you're higher on the next few. But Chris Bryant at number 15. Absolutely not. George Springer at 16. Uh, Assuming it, he's healthy and didn't get hit on. And if this isn't Dynasty, yes, I would absolutely take him. All right. Somebody a little bit lower but has been hot, Marcelo Zuna. No. Mm, all right see so, and, and so he's slotting in as like a number 13 14 guy for you he is he is um and and again the, it's a discipline right because you look at cedric mullins there's question marks there right and then cedric's still playing pretty well this season both on bad teams but i don't see the same kind of patience from cedric mullins i'd have to look at some deeper numbers the thing that really blows this off the kind of off the cake for me it's his underlying numbers i mean they're, they're ridiculous at this point in time. Um, and, and you just can't, in general, find a guy that's performing at those numbers. Usually it's you know a high BABIP and you're just overall concerned that he can keep that going. But you look at the barrel percentage, you look at the walks, it's all around for Suzuki. He's just performing as a professional baseball player. Yeah, and we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. Maybe pitchers get some film on him. They figure it out. Maybe he goes through a stretch, just like a lot of rookies we see. They start out hot, then they cool off for about a, a few weeks until they readjust to the pitchers I mean, readjusting, and then you see them take off. You look there. at his barrel percentage per plate appearance. He's three, third in the league to Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. Um, you know, Next is Pete Alonzo. Jeremy Pena is on this list. So there are some rookies and some guys with, again, what you just said, and, you know, very small sample size. It's kind of dangerous to look at those numbers. And, you know, I'm mindful of that as well. Um, but it's just the numbers, they're, they're, they're off the charts. You just can't sell a guy. Now, I do think about the guys like Aristini Zucchino, right? Look at how amazing he was off the bat. But you and I both said, like, there's a lot of underlining concern with him. Yeah, so we will see. Let's move on to some other uh, hot hitters to start the season. Go through a, a few of these quickly. I don't want to get caught up on one guy for each one of these. CJ Crone, through 11 games, has six home runs, 14 RBIs. His walk to strikeout rate is a little concerning. Two walks to 12 strikeouts. Jose Ramirez, through nine games, has 16 hits, four doubles, three home runs with 15 RBIs. 
Tommy Edmond, who you mentioned earlier, has 11 hits with three home runs through nine games. Connor Joe through 11 games. Looks like he's a everyday starter now for the Rockies, has 15 hits with two home runs, and his walk to strikeout rate is fairly nice, seven walks to 10 strikeouts. And then Alex Verdugo, 11 games through 12 hits, two doubles, three home runs, five walks to four strikeouts. We'll take a pause there just so we can digest this and kind of dive a little bit deeper for our listeners. Who do you really want to talk about here? I think CJ Crone we mentioned before the air, and I know you said you were one year too early. We thought this was the year, or we thought last year was the year that CJ Crone would start out like this, and it didn't really come to fruition until the end of the year. Yeah, I had picked uh, Ty France and CJ Crone as my super dark horse MVP candidates last year and kind of looked stupid for it. Um, but Crone, man, he's looking every bit of what I kind of expected him to look last year, and he's doing it in very clutch roles. I expect Crone to continue this performance. And again, this Rockies team is performing at a good clip. Again, it's early, but with Chris Bryant in that lineup, there's extra protection. I think the more notable run one, though, here is kind of a breakout candidate. CBS guys talked about Verdugo last night. I actually had a little bit of a deeper look on him on Monday. He might finally be paying dividends for that Moogie Betts trade, and you might start to see a player that's sneakily riving, uh, rivaling bets in the actual uh, hit column and overall counting stats. 11 games, 12 hits, those three home runs, five walks, four Ks. He has more walks and strikeouts. I love that. Keep an eye on Verdugo this year. This could be the season where we see him ascend to that third round next year off the board because of his consistency. Again, the stolen bases and the defense um, aren't going to help you, but those are things to monitor as well. So is Verdugo somebody that you would be looking to acquire right now before his price becomes too high? Yes, absolutely. I I think if you are in a league where people may not be keeping an eye on these numbers and understanding what a breakout actually is, I mean, this profile in general, more walks and strikeouts early on means he's learned to be even more patient than he has been in the past. But the fact that the power is there with the the three home runs and two doubles, if you can go out and get him for a guy like a Marcelo Ozuna, I would do that immediately. Again, though, if you're playing in a more advanced league with advanced managers, they're probably, you know, too, too sly to actually do that. But it never hurts to throw some offers out there. And this is definitely more advantageous for keeper or dynasty leagues with that long-term value. He is a young player still trying to find his way through the major leagues. But what what's just off the top of your head, what's something you would offer in a redraft league for Alex Verdugo? What do you think would get it done? Ooh, that's a good question. Again, kind of going back to like Marcel Ozuna. Um, honestly, and this is this is hard to say. I would say in a points league, if you're it's a redraft league, I would be comfortable offering Byron Buxton for Verdugo with the idea that, hey, I know Verdugo is going to give me this baseline of, you know, 3.3 to 3.8 points throughout the season, and I know I'm probably going to occur a Buxton injury. But then we have a huge tier drop off, right? Like because of Buxton's injury history, that's the only way I'm okay with that. I'd probably be willing to offer anywhere from my, without seeing my list, 18 to 25 outfielders because... At that point, you're just trading kind of equal value with the upside of Verdugo breaking out. And see, that's where we differ. I, as the Byron Buxton owner, wouldn't do it. I would rather have the injury risk with Byron Buxton, knowing when he does play, he can provide me potential top five, top ten outfield. I mean, we are still banking on the potential of Verdugo. That doesn't mean he's shown it to you. Byron Buxton at least has shown it to us in his concerns are his injury risks uh, whereas Verdugo you're just hoping that he breaks out so I think I wouldn't do Byron Buxton but I would do something a little bit lower maybe 
see if the owner isn't really paying attention. You could maybe swap like a Whit Merrifield or Lourdes Gurriel, a Jesse Winker if he they don't realize that he's off to a cold start. I think that's kind of the range, maybe 25 to 30, that I would be willing to move for Alex Verdugo. Yeah, and I, I think I think that's hard because those players, even without a Verdugo breakout, or personally, I would take him over those players as it is. Um, but it, it does. It depends on which league you're in and kind of how your team is kind of structured. If you have pitching depth at this point too, now might be the time to strike, you know, to be able to offer a Jesse Winker and, and possibly a relief pitcher, you know, a Duvall from the Giants whose role is kind of up in the air to go out and get this guaranteed consistency for your third outfield. That's a bona fide win. Um, because we're early enough in the season where you can replace a relief pitcher. That's the nice thing with making a trade right now is there's still opportunity throughout the rest of the 145 games to, to pick guys up. Yeah, and it obviously depends on roster construction. Let's move on to the rest of the hot hitters. So staying with outfield, Jesus Sanchez for the Miami Marlins through nine games has 14 hits, double, two triples, and two home runs. He does have one walk to eight strikeouts. Manny Machado is looking every bit the part for the San Diego Padres, what they were hoping when they signed that big contract. He has three home runs, five doubles, and 19 hits through 13 games. The Carlos Correa replacement, Jeremy Pena, through 10 games, has 12 hits, three doubles, a triple, and two home runs. He's looking the part, um, probably doing better than Carlos Correa. I know he's off to a cold start. I don't have his numbers in front of me. Moving on, Brandon Belt, first baseman for the San Francisco Giants, has 10 hits with three homers, seven walks to 10 strikeouts. I do like Brandon Belt. I just worry about his platooning. I know he's a left-handed hitter. They don't really like playing him against lefties, so that might cut into his playing time a little bit. Then moving on, Josh Bell, 13 games. He has 16 hits with two home runs. But here's the more interesting part is he has eight walks to five strikeouts. You love to see that. Marcel Ozuna, we've talked about just recently, four home runs with 15 hits and batting 288. And then the last two, Cabrian Hayes through 11 games is batting 333. And then Nate Lowe through 10 games doesn't have any home runs, but he is batting 359 with three walks to six strikeouts. I know he was having strikeout concerns last season, so still uh, a little bit higher on the strikeout rate, but it looks like he's cutting into that a little bit. So Matt, do you have the same concerns I do about Brandon Belt and which one of you or which one of these players do you think is legit and which one of them is just a flash in the pan? Yeah, I mean, I have the concerns about Brandon Belt as well. I saw a really interesting statistic this week, and it was that Brandon Belt, I think since 2018, has led the major leagues in slugging, which was kind of like jaw dropping to actually realize uh, because Brandon Belt's had those really, really great stretches, obviously, where he looks like, you know, a top three first baseman, but the rest of the season, he's barely rosterable. But I think that ballpark probably, A, aids the slugging because it is so deep. So he is hitting more doubles than you know, the most players. Uh, and then B, you know, being on the West Coast, he kind of gets outshined by a lot of the other teams throughout his, not only his marketplace of California, but um, the, the country in general. I like him as a serviceable solid utility guy. I think there are other players I'd like to take in approach with at first base. And one of them is Josh Bell off to an amazing start and quietly, you know, last year he had a really nice season quietly because again, he's not playing on the pirates anymore where he's the best player on the team. He's playing with Juan Soto and those counting stats only go up when you play with the best hitter in baseball. So I think those two are, are good players. 
great utility, you know, serviceable first baseman. Machado playing like an MVP at this point. Uh, Ozuna seems to be back from all the legal issues and kind of, you know, the distractions of off the field. Cabrian Hayes has been healthy. Thankfully, that wrist hasn't been an issue anymore, batting 333. I think we're going to see a solid contact hitter in him. Nate Lau, we got to see this continue, see the power go up. But again, with the addition of Semyon and Seager, he should have good counting stats. Jesus Sanchez, I like the start. I think what you see in that one walk in 8Ks is probably what we're going to see more throughout the season. That average will dip. He reminds me a lot of Jazz Chisholm, which is ironically on the same team there. You know, a guy that has great potential, but the contact numbers just aren't always going to be there, and it's going to lower everything else around him. If Sanchez can ever figure out to have a better approach at the plate, much like Suzuki and Nate Lau has learned, I think he could have an amazing career. It's just got to be more disciplined. Yeah, I was just going to say out of all of these people, Jesus Sanchez is the one I worry the most about. But he's also the most entertaining, intriguing player out of this bunch here. So it'll be fun to watch what happens with him throughout the season. Well, I'll tell you, Jeremy Pena, he's got some he's got some guns. I saw him on first base the other day, and like the jersey barely fits him. Like he's he's looking like some of uh, what's the kid in the Cardinals, Paul O'Neill or Taylor O'Neill? T- Tyler O'Neill, yeah, Mr. dude. Biceps, we call him. I'm telling you, Pena it could rival his biceps. The kid is jacked. Yeah, and he's been waiting in the minors for a long time to get his chance. So I think he's making the most of it, and I think he's gonna stick for sure. All right. Speaking of rookies, let's move on to some minor league players and potential people that we might see later in the season. We'll talk about uh, just some quick highlights here. Grayson Rodriguez is having an amazing start. Currently, he has a 1-2-6 ERA with 23 strikeouts through 14 and a third innings. It's just a matter of time before he gets called up for the Baltimore Orioles. Shea Langliers has three home runs through 10 games. Now a uh, catcher on the A's. Max Meyer with Miami is looking phenomenal with 20 Ks with a 1-2-3 ERA and a .55 whip. Um, wouldn't be surprised if he makes the majors. I know Edward Cabrera was talks of possibly joining the rotation, but he's dealing with a bicep injury. Jesus Lazardo was kind of on that fringe of the fifth starter. Looked amazing in his first start, but kind of plummeted in his second start. So it'll be interesting to see if Lazardo is the real deal and can rebound or if he's lost his control and Max Meyer takes over for him. Moving on, Kyle Muller for the Braves has 20 Ks through 15 and two-thirds innings with a 2.87 ERA. Somebody who also was in the majors last year, did well, and then got injured. So he might be in the running for that fifth rotation spot if the Braves want to keep Spencer Strider in that long relief role. So before we move on to the rest of them, Matt, anything you want to note on these players? Yeah, I just I think for all four of them, we've been waiting for these guys to finally get their chance at the major league level. Um, Kyle Muller, you know, is a guy that was drafted highly. That Braves organization just has so much pitching depth. It reminds me a lot of Milwaukee when Burns and Peralta and Woodruff just weren't good enough yet, right? When when Burns was being sent down to AAA and back up to the majors, uh, Tuki Tusan got called up recently. They have all of these guys with Strider as well. It's like almost a rotation in itself kind of is that like fifth, sixth starter, which is truly impressive. And I think that only goes to show what they're going to be able to do at the trade deadline. But Kyle Muller is definitely ready for a major league opportunity. The question is, is it going to be like Kyle Wrights was for the last couple of years where he comes up after showing incredible numbers in the minor leagues and gets absolutely torched? 
I think ultimately, though, having depth is important, and maybe we see um, Miller moved at the deadline. We'll have to keep an eye on that. And like you said, if they want to keep Strider in that rotation of uh, kind of that two, three inning guy in the bullpen, maybe he gets a shot. Same thing for Max Meyer, though. You have so much pitching depth in Miami as well, and so many young guys ready to emerge. But how do you hold a guy back that's pitching this well? I mean, this is jumping off the page numbers. He's absolutely dominating AAA. You've kind of got to bring him up over Cabrera, who essentially has these injury concerns now, too. You just dropped him this past week because of those concerns. Um, Shane Langlier is for the A's, you know, they need some kind of production. That team is actually overperforming so far this season. I think those three home runs, you know, bring a little power to the lineup. And then Grayson Rodriguez, um, I put him on this list tonight because he actually had an amazing start against the Durham Bulls. I think it was five and two thirds or five and one third with eight strikeouts tonight. Didn't allow a hit, uh, a run. I think he had one or two hits allowed one walk. He is absolutely ready for the major leagues. Um, and I would not be surprised if Adley Rutschman's ready to go in the next few weeks here to have him promoted and Rutschman promoted and have them, you know, go one, two on the, on that, uh, kind of debut day to showcase both young players. It'll be nice to see what happens once that Super 2 deadline or that extra year of control hits and we start seeing some of these prospects finally reach the majors. So let's move on to some double-A hitters. We've got quite a few here, so I'm going to kind of break it up into two and kind of list what they're doing and you kind of pick out which ones you like the most. Starting off, we have Francisco Alvarez. Catcher for the Mets has four home runs, batting 355 with 11 strikeouts in his first eight games. Sean Roby for the Giants has six home runs while also batting 345 through 29 at-bats. Hudson Haskins, outfielder for the Orioles, has four home runs through 21 at-bats and batting 571, kind of catching the attention of a lot of league industry podcasters and analysts. Matt McClain has three home runs with a 297 batting average, and he recently hit for the cycle. Moses Moises Gomez uh, for the Cardinals had six home runs and is through 25 at-bats and batting 400. Corbin Carroll, outfielder for the Arizona Diamondbacks, injury concerns, but has two home runs, batting 364, and has five stolen bases through nine games. And then uh, Orla, or I'm going to butcher this, Orlavis Martinez <laughs> with the Blue Jays, kind of shortstop third base, kind of rising through the rankings of uh, many prospect rankings, but has four home runs to start the season. So we'll stop there, Matt. Who intrigues you the most out of this list, and who are you most surprised by? So Martinez, I caught him on MILB's um, Instagram page the other day. If you're not following, go ahead and check it out. They gave you kind of just some guys that are hot or really nice, you know, nice home runs. Absolute love the batting stance. The bat speed is incredible. He reminds me a lot of a younger Javi Baez with a little more control. Just creates incredible speed through the zone. Those four home runs are kind of the showcase of that. I think it's a guy to watch, but again, on that Blue Jays roster, where do you play him? So you kind of hope possibly if you're rostering him in Dynasty Leagues for a possible trade there, because as it stands right now, you've got a lot of competition. Um, Jordan Groshan as well in that system, but I think Martinez is playing highly above him right now. Corbin Carroll, you said it with the injury concerns, kind of more freaky injuries. So I wouldn't say that he has a peg yet for, you know, injury consistency, but a guy that has had some bad luck, great speed, uh, dynasty leagues of the categories or roto um, specific play. I think he is the guy you want to see even in points league. I, I could see him as a possibly better version of Verdugo that we were talking about earlier. Probably not as much power as Verdugo is going to fill into here because he is younger. 
Um, and we, I listed Gomez here because some of these guys that are coming out of the gate hot that aren't highly rated on prospect lists, some of them become just absolute monsters. So throughout the season, we're going to want to keep you up on some of these guys that are just overall producing at a high rate. Gomez in those six home runs for St. Louis, you know, him and uh, Nolan Gorman, ironically, are just absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. Um, but Hudson, Hudson Haskins is the guy I'm really excited about. As you said it, Richie, a lot of the industry guys are starting to rise up on him. Uh, the four home runs. More importantly, though, the Orioles need hitters. So I think there's opportunity, unlike some of these other guys that we've listed. And I love opportunity, especially if you're playing at a high rate to start the year. They're more likely to promote you and get you into the major league roster as opposed to guys like Martinez, where it's like you could play out of your mind, but there's nowhere to play it. You're staying in the minor leagues. And finally, Alvarez, those Ks are very concerned. Concerning. I love the power. Um, every time I see one of his highlights or one of his at-bats, he is truly swinging for the fence. I think this could be our next Gary Sanchez of the major leagues. Yeah, and just on Martinez, I can't remember if I read this through The Athletic or Baseball America, but it was saying something that they're starting to move Martinez into different roles, possibly the outfield, as they are blocked with um, Matt Chapman now at third base after making that trade. So I wouldn't be surprised now, especially with the George Springer getting hit in the hand and just injury concerns overall. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Martinez come up to the majors at some point this year just to kind of get a taste, see how he does. But then if he doesn't come out of the gate, guns blazing, I could see them just sending him down right away. But I would not be surprised if we see him make it to the majors by the end of the year. Moving on to the rest of the players from Double A. We have Chris Mead for the Tampa Bay Rays has two home runs and batting 333. Jose Budo through 13 and two thirds inning has 20 strikeouts and a .66 ERA with a .95 WHIP. At only 22 years old, he's got a lot of potential. Logan Allen for the Cleveland Guardians through 9.1 innings with 17 Ks. He was somebody who potentially could have made the roster out of. Uh, last year but uh kind of faltered daniel espino uh what highly touted high school arm i remember watching him get drafted and just seeing him at the i think it was 2018 2019 right before covid he was so excited uh young kid i think he's 2021 now but through eight and two-thirds innings he has 16 strikeouts and a 0.69 whip I don't think we'll see him in the majors for a few years, but just something to note, I do think he might be able to make it to AAA before the end of the year. Jared Schuster for the Braves has a .90 ERA with a .80 whip. Through 10 innings, he has 17 strikeouts. Brett Carey for the Angels. Through 10 innings, he has 20 strikeouts. That's impressive. And then lastly, for AA, we have Simeon Woods Richardson. Through 16 and two-thirds innings, he has not given up a run has a .54 whip, and has 14 strikeouts. You'd like to see his strikeout rate be a little bit higher, but you're not going to be upset not giving up a single run through those amount of innings. So, Matt, kind of a lot here. What uh, sticks out to you the most here? Well, what sticks out to me the most is that the Seattle Mariners, with no outs, just ran a hit-and-run with the man on first and second, and it led to an immediate triple play by the Texas Rangers. It was probably the most embarrassing base running I've seen in a long time. Uh, Jesse Winker lined to the first baseman, and the runners were on second and third, so it was an easy step in the bag and throw to second. Yikes. Um, so back to our prospects. 
Chris Mead, love him. I think, you know, he's a guy to keep an eye on for third base, possibly second base for Tampa Bay. Got immense power. Really want to see him to put together that showcase season. If he can do it, I think he rises to the top 30, top 20 overall baseball prospects. Definitely an older guy, though. I think he, Chris is 23 years old, um, possibly 22. Jose Budo, though, oh, what an incredible start to the year. Uh, what I did for this list is I pulled up MILB's top leading like statistical rankings and just kind of went through whip, ERA, strikeouts for these pitchers, and this kid was leading in almost all categories. I mean, 20 strikeouts and 13.2, a name to definitely keep an eye on. We will monitor throughout the season. Those numbers alone, though, just scream breakout. Again, it's early. Logan Allen, uh, 9 and one third, 17 Ks. It seems like he is pitching above his level of competition here in AA. If you remember correctly, he was a guy that was traded from San Diego over to Cleveland a few years back, as well as Cal Quantrill. Uh, I could see him kind of filling that Cal Quantrill role eventually, kind of like finally making his way into the team and, and pitching above expectations. Because if you think about Allen, he's been in the big leagues for about two and a half seasons now, so he has that pedigree. Uh, Daniel Espino, love the kid. I think you're right. Has some control issues. I would expect to see him early next season, if not middle of summer next year. Uh, Jared Schuster, another Braves pitcher here. Uh, this was a kid that was taken in the first round. I think he's 23 years old, possibly 22. So look for him maybe end of the year kind of filling that Spencer Strider role. Um, if not next season, I would expect him to come out of that bullpen. But just great numbers. And then Simon Woods Richardson was traded to Minnesota like him a lot. Again, kind of keeping an eye on him, not allowing a run. The 14Ks, I would like to see a little bit more K per nine, but at this point, if he's eliminating base runners and he's not allowing runs, he's doing his job. Also probably ready for a promotion at AAA. Yeah, and out of all these names, I think the one I like the most is Daniel Spino, probably just because I have somewhat of an emotional attachment just watching him get drafted. Don't really get to watch most of the drafts, and especially with COVID, not many players are actually in the main lobby when they're doing the draft. So I thought it was pretty cool to see and actually see him um, come up. I believe the other one was uh, Kate Cavalli and Reed. Was it Reed Detmers? Might have been wrong. I might be blurring my drafts together now. But uh, either way, it's still pretty cool to see that. Let's move on now to single A. Um, not too much to talk about, but there are some high touted prospects. Johnny De Luca for the Dodgers has five home runs. Robert Hassel, outfielder for the San Diego Padres, highly touted through 10 games, has two home runs, but is batting 400. Love to see that. Maybe a promotion to double A is in store for him. Christian Strand for the Minnesota Twins, through 40 at-bats, has five home runs and is batting 450. Marco Luciano, my boy, has two home runs and batting 345. Uh, through eight games, doesn't I don't have the the strikeout rate here, but that would be the most interesting thing to note for me here. If he can cut back on that, maybe we see a promotion to Double A or Triple A by the end of the year. Mason Wynn for the St. Louis Cardinals has a 1.197 OPS uh, through the beginning of the season, and then lastly, Joe Joe Boyle for the Reds has 17 strikeouts through eight innings with a zero ERA, which is phenomenal. So Matt. What do you got to say about these guys? Yeah, Boyle was the only pitcher I included here. Um, throughout a, high A and low A, I think it's very – got to be cautious to start the season to talk about some of these players because – 
you know, age-wise, if the pitchers are 21, 22, they're really picking on younger kids. Like, there really is no way around it. So we will monitor high A and low A, kind of watch these promotions go through throughout the year. But just the one pitcher currently listed. I uh, love what Luciano is doing this year. Actually has the average up. Robert Hassel, I remember that draft as well. Him and Zach Veen were taken very similarly uh, in close range there. I thought Veen, and I think Veen is the better player. But Hassel is outperforming all my expectations so far. Was also a high school kid taken. That average, his ability to like connect with the ball, barrel rate is always very good for Hassel as well. I think he's what San Diego needs in that outfield to pair with Machado and to pair with Tatis because you need a guy that's going to have an o- a high OBP. DeLuca has the five home runs, um, but he's got a terrible average. I lifted the list of the five home runs because I think that's nice. You know, the Dodgers always seem to find power, but he does need to work on the average. Christian Strand, though, kind of reminding me a lot of Jose Miranda here with his big Big time start to the year. Um, five home runs, the name to keep an eye on. This Minnesota organization just seems to continue to pump out middle infielders, third basemen, see kind of where he falls, especially with his development over the next couple of years. But overall, single A, um, we will monitor. Again, mindfulness that big breakouts in single A are important, but really only for promotional purposes. We like to see the numbers at double A really showcase us our future projections for these players. And lastly, for single A, these three shortstops from last year's draft, highly touted, all were in contention of possibly being number one overall, all out of high school. Marco, Marcelo Meyer, uh, Jordan Lauer, and Khalil Watson are all off to phenomenal starts. Meyer has a 316 batting average. Laura has three home runs and batting 389, and Khalil Watson has four home runs and 361 batting average. So it is still early going, but I wouldn't be surprised if all three of those can somehow make it to double a by the end of the year uh, anything else to note about these shortstops matt yeah i like marcelo myers overall package i think lauer might be the best fantasy option for everybody uh in dynasty leagues i think myers gonna be 15 to 20 home runs you know 290 to 315 hitter in the majors i think lawler has the ability to be the superstar um and, and then watson the only thing that kind of worries me is the five nine frame but we've seen Jose Altuve, Jose Altuve do it with even a shorter, smaller frame. Um, what a great draft class. You know, to see these guys come out and just absolutely rake to start off, that's what you like to see. And that's kind of giving people confidence that these high school bats, especially these prep bats coming out of, you know, big-time academies can be successful. We've seen some guys fall off that radar. Uh, Bryce Terang for the Brewers was one of them who was highly touted at 16, 17 years old and just didn't really produce like these guys have. So it is nice to see. And then uh, the last thing we got to talk about tonight is our boy Hunter Green for Reed's team, huh? Yeah, so we'll finish up the show here talking about Hunter Green. So he's looking great to start the season, but you and I both have similar concerns. He's got a 93 uh, average exit velocity, which is third in the league, um, and a 206 average distance, which is fourth in the league. Um, My concern is when I'm watching him, He's got a filthy fastball, and he's just barely painting the corners. However, when you watch it, the catcher sets up, and wherever he's putting his glove, Hunter Green is not hitting it. He does not look like he has command or control of this fastball. So it'll be interesting to see if the wheels kind of fall off for him here. Um, That's my biggest concerns. I I believe yours are a little bit more on the average exit velo, so I'll let you talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, uh, so Green is i think second or third in the league with the 93 exit velo 
Uh, that is third in the league, and then fourth in the league with the average distance of 206. And the only reason it's concerning to me is because when you throw this hard without the command, you're allowing the opposing team to barrel up the ball at a higher percentage. And I think, as you just said, if he can't locate properly, he's going to run into some big innings. Uh, so I kind of did a deeper dive on Hunter Green to build out a projection standpoint for you guys this season. Hunter Green last year had 106.1 innings in the minors. That's a pretty good performance for him. So I would project him about 130, absolute max 150 innings this season. How he gets there, I'm not sure if they're going to shut him down or to go to a six-man rotation. Lodolo obviously pitching as well might encourage them to go to a six-man to stretch these guys out all season. But again, 130 to 150 innings, I'd expect 125 strikeouts. I would like that K to 9 to be up, but again, without control, I can't say he's going to be over uh, 9Ks per per 9. A 3.75 ERA, and that's being really generous. Again, that's kind of staying with the mentality that he's at right now. If he runs into those big innings once a month or twice a month, that ERA will be heavily inflated. And then a 1.20 whip. This is kind of best case scenario for me, Hunter Green. And this is a very serviceable starting pitcher in even shallower fantasy leagues. I think with the velocity that Hunter Green shows, he absolutely shows upside. If he can figure out a little bit more of that location this season, you could see dominance from him. But again, being his rookie season, I think those are really kind of ceiling numbers. Um, but great talent. I love watching him pitch. And I really hope we see a guy develop into a, a good pitcher. Yeah, I'd like to see his command improve as the season gets on, goes on. So that's definitely something to note. But that's all we have for you guys. Hopefully the next time we talk, we can be talking about Miguel Cabrera as part of the 3K club, which uh, probably should be doable. If not, um, it'll be a sad, sad day. Uh, until then, we'll talk to you guys later.